Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I think! Brilliant! Gee! He's round the goalkeeper! He's done it! Absolutely incredible! He launched himself six feet into the crowd and Kung Fu kicked a supporter who was without a shadow of a doubt giving him lip. Does it tame and tame and tame again? Break up the music! Charge a glass! This nation is going to dance all night! An appreciation of Roy Keane's wheeling away, Guy Mowbray in the Croatian unmentionables, for my sins corner in the doldrums. How low down the pyramid can you be an armchair fan? The precise frequency of elite youth production to qualify for a conveyor belt of talent, the optimum number of goals that can be bagged, unearthing some early Peter Drury, and pinpointing the very moment that means we never see Premier League referees interviewed live on TV. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this... It's football cliches. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 215 of Football Cliches. I'm Adam Hurry, and with me for the adjudication panel today is Charlie Eccleshare. How's it going? Very well. How are you? I'm all right, thanks. Alongside you, of course, is David Walker. How are you doing? I'm very good. I wanted to bring something to your attention at the top yeah. of the show. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just intrigued to see what your reaction will be. I've got a feeling that you might be annoyed by it, but we'll, okay. we'll see. Is it to so, do with wrestling? Nothing to do with wrestling at all, no. Um, so I was watching Portugal against Switzerland the other night in the pub near the office and uh, went to the toilet. And for the first time in my life, somebody saddled up next to me at the urinal and went, sorry, mate, you're, uh, you're Mr. Football Clichés, aren't you? what's happened here have they done the you look like you should have my voice situation well i mean i didn't get into the the detail of the conversation really uh, given the situation because i I was just finishing as he was uh, starting the procedure um but i sort of went i kind of i went oh yeah yeah um and he sort of elaborated i i well I, i didn't i didn't yeah, I kind of humoured him a bit. and But then he sort of said, oh, I love the podcast. You're very nice. Great to hear that he loves a podcast. Uh, very nice man. But yeah, I knew as soon as as soon as soon he said, you're Mr. Football... I couldn't quite say that. I couldn't admit that I was Mr. Football Clichés with authenticity because obviously I am not, but I knew what he was saying. So there is a member of the public out there at large who thinks that you are the brains and inspiration behind the, the, the whole concept of football clichés. Wow. I think this is good for you, Adam. I mean, Dave's a far nicer guy than you are, so he's going to come away from it being like, that football cliché is guy, he's he's lovely. Get Dave to do your bidding. Yeah, tall. Uh, He's everything I want to be. (laughs) Fair play to you. Uh, Yeah, that could come in handy for me in certain situations, but I'm I'm happy to let you 
have some of the limelight. Let's get on with the adjudication panel, shall we? Uh, I hope we've all enjoyed Roy Keane wheeling away in celebration after scoring in an ITV informal kickabout uh, um, mm. somewhere in Doha. Fantastic scenes, can we all agree? Mm. Yes. Let's take the wheeling away specifically, Dave. I mean, a lovely finish, you know, give it, taking the conditions into consideration. Um, but great wheeling away. Like, an iconic celebration with the setting sun behind him as well. Tremendous stuff. Yeah, a brilliant shot. I would go, actually, I'd go as far to say that of all the things that I've seen from Qatar in terms of journalists, broadcasters, people sending photos of what a nice time they're having, this is the one that's made me the most jealous out of oh, all. Right. <laughs> I would love to have been a part of that game. It yeah. looked so fun. Because there will have been a few like production staff, like, getting to play with Roy Keane and Micah Richards and all whoever else was playing, which is great. They but are yeah. giving it 110%. You can just see oh, it on yeah. their faces as well. De- definitely. And yeah, great wheeling away from Keane. Really good. Charlie, everything about what I could see going on in that game reminded me of informal games between colleagues on a makeshift bobbly grass pitch <laughs> near the office. And everything that's ever taught me says that that game definitely ended like 13-12 as well. That was like the deciding goal. No matter how many goals one team was up, it always ends up being a goal in it at the end and he scored the winner. It is, it is yeah, it does have to be close. It is a fascinating phenomenon why that happens. Although I don't know, would would Keane be sort of generous enough to allow that to happen? Because I feel that ha- there has to be a certain level of goodwill almost on the tea, on the si- on the part of the team who are, who are battering the other. It's a weird psychology. It's like a combination of like just a fragile sporting mentality like you let the other team back into it and also like secretly you want it to be close like yeah. if you're like five goals up you just sort of happen to let two in like subconsciously you think well it doesn't matter it's fine it's, it's better if it's close and then when it actually gets close you don't want to lose but um, you'd have or to even more it. strategic Adam yeah. sometimes there's the if we're battering them too much they're going to ask to swap players and I really don't want to have to swap <laughs> players so keen. Yeah, yeah let them back in a bit Keane is exactly the sort of player who, if he found himself on a team that was six goals down, and they are, and that team who was who was winning offered to swap teams, he'd be like, "No, absolutely Would not." not. Go down well, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Really if, prickle him. If that's yeah. one personality trait I share with Roy Keane, then I'm happy with it. I, I refuse um, to suffer that indignity. But great footballing scene as it was, it did make me wonder: Did the AI Alan Smith have commentary for it? <laughs> <laughs> His. Uh, Artificial intelligence tentacles seem to be spreading all over this tournament. Surely, Veritone Voice and Opta had partnered up for this one. Did they? Key. Receives. Goal. Oh, key. Shoots. It's a goal. It's not looking good. For the BBC. It's ITV. Scores for the thirteenth time after a shot by Roy Keane. <laughs> Very go. nice. Squeezing Brilliant. just that last bit of juice out of the AI Alan Smith sponge. <laughs> oh, and in the grand manner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just tremendous scenes. And I, I really do want to see a full-blown match between ITV Football and BBC Sport at some point during this tournament. I, what a clash it would be! Do you think Lineker would get involved, Dave? Don't know with the Lineker because you, you never know with the ex-pros whether like some of them literally can't run anymore; mm. they just can't do it. Uh, I, like, I think Shearer is one of those. I don't think she. I think Alan Shearer physically cannot go on a jog. I think right. his knees are completely gone, so he has to cycle or whatever. But like. I think Lineker probably would. He's, he's still in good... Looks like he's in good nick. ITV would have Hal robson Carnu. He'd still... De Jong. Yeah. De Jong versus Keane. No, they'd be on the same team. On the same team. God, about? what yeah. an engine room that is, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I really I really hope there's more content like that on the way. Next up, this is from Matt Phillips and Billy et al. Here's Guy Mowbray 
nailing the twee Croatian equivalent of the unmentionables. Vardio came out and uh, got taken out. Took a blow in the Dubrovniks. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. It is good, isn't it? Good thinking, good quick thinking as well. And he he was sort of been been going through his mental rolodex of Croatian destinations. Dubrovniks, just right up there, isn't it, Dave? It's perfect. Really good. Really good. Always helps to have a sound knowledge of the geography of the countries you're uh, commentating on. Mm. Mm. If we were struggling for content, Charlie, I'd imagine we we could have gone through all 32 countries and picked out the most suitable town um, to use as a uh, kind of PG option. That's a shame we don't, because that would be really fun. Mm, more of an but, early early tournament thing. Should we yeah. save it for 2026? Because we'll have 48 options then. And that's a whole that's, episode. That is a whole episode taken yeah. care of, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't discount any idea for a whole episode. <laughs> um, you had something else that you'd spotted during Croatia-Japan. Yeah, I wanted to put to you guys, actually, that Guy Mowbray said. He described Luka Modric as the great man. And... My ears, it jarred a little bit because I feel like the great man should be reserved for a very, very small selection of players. And I know Modric, uh, you know, he's won a ton of Champions Leagues. He's a Ballon d'Or winner. Mm. Is he the great man? I don't know. I feel like the great man is sort of Messi, Pele, Maradona, maybe Zidane at a push. Luka Modric, the great man? I think you're onto something because, I mean, does, does Modric kind of bestride football in the way mm. that those true greats do? Maybe we'll only maybe appreciate him 20 years down the line when he sort of mm. pops up in the stands at World Cups in, in the posh seats. Would he well, I guess the great man then? Maybe that's, not. I guess that's the question as well is can you, yeah, I mean, as a, as a current player, can you be the great man? I mean, I guess Messi probably, but that does feel like something reserved maybe for, for when you're retired. He has won a Ballon d'Or, hasn't he? yeah. On that point, I'd say players who, who win sort of a Ballon d'Or out of nowhere in the middle of an era don't tend to get remembered as greats. I have to say sort of random one-off Ballon d'Or winners. It was a, And it was a post-World Cup Ballon d'Or, wasn't it, really? It was. It was a significant one because it broke up the hegemony, but the Messi-Ronaldo sure. hegemony. So it was significant. But it was annoying, sense. wasn't it? It's annoying that it did that for a lot of people. <laughs> Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. I think it is probably a little bit of a stretch, but I think he is moving. He's in, he's moving into that territory. The fact that he's still sort of playing, he's still playing well. Mm. He's he's won a lot. He's got that sort of sheen of the Real Madrid, the Ballon d'Or. Like he's not far off. No, he's on the way. Yeah. I, mean, um, I guess he doesn't really need a kind of crowning moment. I mean, he's, he's had enough of those for Real Madrid. Maybe he's still just slightly nearer to little magician for me than <laughs> great man. Because um, um, we don't know much about him in sort of personality sense. He's not a statesman of the game either. So that, I think that, that, that helps. Like he's not a Figo-esque kind no. of character who sort of strides about and represents things. He's just he's just little Luka Modric. He, I'd put him on a level like Xavi and Iniesta, and I'm not sure either of them are the great man if they, if they, if they were shown. Yeah, it's hmm. difficult, isn't it? Maybe it's because being small doesn't help. Being diminutive. <laughs> the diminutive harder man. to be great. Well, Maradona might have a thing or two Messy. to say about that. Uh, anyway, this is all a preamble. This is all chatter because it's time for For My Sins Corner. Welcome back to For My Sins Corner, Charlie. Uh, you've been champing at the bit to have another really crack have. at this. I don't know if you picked up on it, but For My Sins Corner is in a bit of a lull. We're in the doldrums at the moment. Tactics 
there's lots of reactive tactics going on. People are second guessing each other. I think we need to get back to the real, real pureness of Full My Sins Corner, don't we? Yeah, I mean, especially the one where there wasn't one. There's, there's been <laughs> all sorts going of, on about that. <laughs> there's been all sorts of shenanigans. That was the Italian ninety of Full My Sins Corner yeah. for you, wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah, um, exactly that. Um, before today's Full My Sins Corner, I have a story from uh, Joe Jeffries. He says, I was at the pool today, scudding along in the medium lane. I notice a queue stacking up behind me, which is unusual. I start sensing some impatience. Between lengths, a woman glides over. You're actually in the fast lane, love, for your sins. <laughs> you can't reverse For My Sins someone, can you, says Joe. Dave, what's going on here? That's a weird <laughs> thing to say to someone, isn't it? Especially like a complete stranger. In passing. And in that context as well, in that situation, it doesn't weird sort of passive aggressive sort of manoeuvre. If anything, it looks like it was an attempt, Charlie, to kind of smooth it over at the end of the sentence, just to say not quite sound so abrupt. Yeah. So she was obviously thinking of something, but that's all that came out. Yeah, no, I don't know. I don't think you can for your sins someone. That that is for you to, to say. It's a because conf- <laughs> yeah. it's a confessional, isn't it? You can't yeah. you can't tell someone what to confess. She doesn't know enough about him, that's true. Um but uh, a lovely little intro in today's classic <laughs> For My Sins Corner. This came via hundreds of you, actually. It's from University Challenge this week. And uh, let's do it. Let's recap the rules, of course. You are going to utter the immortal words as soon as you think they are about to be uttered in this clip from popular culture. Let's do it. Playing on behalf of around 30,000 students with an average age of 26, let's meet the Sheffield team again. Hi, I'm Rachel Hoare. I'm originally from North Yorkshire and I'm studying for a Master's in Evolution and Behaviour. Hi, I'm Andrew Fisher. I'm originally from Newcastle, but I now live in Sheffield and I'm doing a PhD in Pure Maths. And this is their captain. Hi, I'm Lewis Jones. I'm from Haverhill in Suffolk and I'm studying journalism for my... Oh, Oh, no! Blackpool, I'm studying geography. Should have been the geography guy, if anything. Oh, I wish listeners could see. He looks so for my Cindy as well. As soon as I saw him start the tour, it was like, yeah, this guy. And he had a little smirk at the start. You could just, everything about him was for my sins. Funny you should say that, Charlie. Uh, some other people picked up on the smirk and the sort of the general knowingness of the delivery of For My Sins there and suggested he may have been or may oh. be a football cliches listener. I looked him up. I found him on Twitter. Uh, doesn't follow me, but that does obviously doesn't preclude, preclude him from listening to the podcast. Would be strange, though. I'd prefer it the other way around. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's all right, isn't it? It's a good delivery. Yeah, <sighs> I'm so annoyed. I've got the yips. <laughs> I, could, I, could, I could feel it was about to come, but he, he actually he got it out quite quickly. There wasn't mm. there wasn't much of a gap. I think there wasn't some, much some time. These, yeah, some of these challenges are getting a little bit tricky. Um, that, that was very much a stalemate again. Let's have a follow up, quick one, an easy easier one for you. This is all about bit who's on who's quicker on the draw. This is from the natural habitat of Popmaster. Much more comfortable with mm. Ken. Easier place to go. So uh, we, uh, we know a bit about you then. You're a big West Brom fan. Yeah, home and away seem to get older the um, last 30 years from Sheffield, so for my son. Oh. <laughs> what is wrong with you, lot? Times at the moment, I'm handing it to you on a plate. Of course. That's <laughs> You've lost it. Char- Charlie, it could, it could all Charlie sort of went half in and <laughs> put me off. I did a couple of... I but he didn't be... say it when you expect him to say it. Yeah, he I thought he said trailed the West Brom. There, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought he'd say it with the West Brom bit. 
Then, then the whole home and away thing happened. Uh, I don't know what we're going to do. I think we've just got we just we've just got to get some shots away. Yeah. We're, too, we're, too, we're trying to walk it in. <laughs> just got to gamble a bit more here. I think. Absolutely, my goodness. Um, another one next week. I hope God knows we are in crisis. Anyway, this came from Jacob. This is Alistair Bruce Ball on Five Live during Argentina versus Poland with the I think the smoothest segue from football adjacent chatter. Back to football commentary I have heard in years. Control the ball on the left-hand side and going through all those permutations and discussions even interrupted the game of World Cup Scrabble we had going on uh, in the apartment uh, this afternoon. Throw in for Argentina on the right. I recommend that, by the way, as a game to anyone who likes their Scrabble. Just do a World Cup-themed Scrabble. Mm. So anything connected to the World Cup, you can play. Polish surnames are going to score you absolutely tons of points. Do you have enough letters, though, for that? Krakowiak, Zelinski, uh, McAllister to Messi. Fewer points. A lovely <laughs> ball from Messi. Played through to Talia Fink. That it's is like a league. football commentator Radio 1 Essential mix. It's perfect. That is stunning. So good, yeah. You, you can't plan for that, Dave, can you? Alistair Bruce Ball as, uh, and Chris Sutton, very much leaning into that sort of slightly comedy, sort of odd couple, double act sort the of thing. Champion McCoyst of the radio waves, aren't they? But pulling it off nicely. And and yeah, straddling both both the football and the banter there effortlessly. I have to say, Charlie, um, World Cup Scrabble does sound really good fun. <laughs> yeah, I know when he was saying that, I was like, that that does sound good. Like any games, I like the I like it because there'd be a few that would be quite borderline as to how tenuous you could go, whether they were really World Cup related. Yeah, depending on how strict you get on that, I, I do wonder if. World Cup Scrabble would become a war of attrition. I mean, how many options really are available to you? But I'd love to have a go. Football cliche Scrabble. That's a board game idea. That's a bit of merchandise option for us over the next... uh um, I'm sure they, they wouldn't mind us nicking the intellectual rights to that. Um, next up, Brazil versus South Korea. Now, there was a lot of fuss towards the end about Brazil bringing on third-choice goalkeeper Weverton in the 80th minute. Charlie, I put it to you that this is the first ever equally classy and unclassy touch in football history. Because mm. it was considered classy because uh, Tite was uh, giving the 26th member of his squad some World Cup minutes. But then, of course, there was the inevitable reaction mm. to this, which was it was disrespectful to South Korea to bring on your third choice goalkeeper um, for no reason whatsoever. Is it a good solid 50-50 split for you here? Ooh, that is good. I mean, in, in a knockout game, that does feel a little bit piss-taking. That's true. Um, mm. I, if, that, if, if it's your final group, although I guess the group, then it's more, but there's another team you could be hurting here. So that is probably worse. You, you're not really affecting anyone by doing it. What would I expect? I, I would expect the reaction to be more hostile than Classy Touch. Okay. Unless there was a particular reason and it was like, you know, Weverton's had a hard time of it recently. What a legend for, for bringing him on. Mm. Um, what minute did he come on to the pitch? 80th. 80th. I suppose you want to, if you are doing it, you want to kind of, Give him some actual minutes, some chance of actually participating in a match. I was going to say you could bring, you could just bring him on in the 89th mm. minute, but then that's a bit disrespectful to the player. Yeah, yeah, it's well. more of a gesture then, isn't it? I mm. mean, I mean, once you get once you, as far back as the 80th, Charlie, and let's assume without researching that there was at least three, four, five minutes of injury time. That's a good, solid amount of time for a goalkeeper to get under his belt. And and at that point, you could you could argue that Allison was being rested. Like that's, <laughs> that's 15 minutes of him not having to be alert and ready to mm. be called upon and all that sort of stuff. So that's resting. That, that qualifies. It's fine. I wonder when that will become a thing, resting goalkeepers. <laughs> You'd think there will be a point at which, for, for the reasons you're saying, you know, the concentration actually is exhausting for a keeper. All that clapping. And- yeah, all the clapping, all yeah. the sort of standing on your feet and yeah. looking and alert. But I can see if you are 
of that mind that it mm. would seem beyond the pale and, you know, yeah. just not fair on South Korea. I mean, there's no real logic to it, but you are sort of, in a football sense, kind of programmed, Dave, to find it disrespectful, aren't you? Because it's just, you know, it's an unusual thing that was done without any kind of sporting merit. So it immediately then becomes disrespectful and shouldn't be allowed. It's a bit weird, isn't it? I don't think it's right to consider it disrespectful, actually. They okay. were 4-1 f- up. Mm. They, it's obvious why they're doing it. Oh, no, don't get me wrong. Know, I it's, certainly it's, don't think it is. Not but a I problem. think for that school of thought. It's not like they were doing, uh, you know, keep-ups and, you know, <laughs> pulling out all the tricks, taking the piss out of Korea. Like, there was still a match going on, but they just decided to put a new goalkeeper on. Like, and if you've got five subs, you can do it. I, I think it's fine. Perhaps we are spending too much time talking about this when, in fact, this was a real highlight of Brazil versus South Korea. The Qatari authorities are beginning to try to promote some of these areas as potential tourist venues. So having read the blurb, trying to attract future visitors to this particular area, I can tell you that the major tourist attraction, in their view, is a desalination plant. Desalination plant? And if that's not enough for you... It's not heavy in my agenda, that one. It's also the headquarters of the Qatari Table Tennis Association. Oh, I'm up for that. Yep. about TT. How McCoist is that? <laughs> I I have I have absorbed so much McCoist over the last eight years in a World Cup context, Dave, that I knew exactly what he was going to say at the end there and exactly how he was going to say it. Don't mind a bit of TT. And we and we should point this out just to anyone that wasn't watching the match and obviously no one can't hear the clip now. He said that as the camera cut to the Brazilian manager, effortless from McCoist. Oh, I didn't pick up on that whatsoever. That's the gag, surely. I don't know. Oh, I don't think, oh, I think it. it is. It's his no name. No way. If no, it no. is, that's amazing. I, I think that's going to I don't coincidence. think the quick enough. I don't think... I, I think, don't he, think does. he does. No, he's, he's super sharp. Why would he... He wouldn't call table tennis TT in any other circumstance. Oh, I think he would. I think it might be what footballers call it. Yeah. Or something I, like that. Or to, I, they, it, that's what they call it, a talk sport. He said it just after the pitcher turned to, the, to, to TT on the bench. If he, he's if not he Alistair has, Ball. I think I think you're uh, you're doing McCoy's a disservice there. Um, let's return briefly to the theme of goalkeepers getting minutes and those sorts of thresholds. Listener Michael Cox was watching Spain versus Morocco when Morocco just hung up across into the box. Masrawi hangs it. Simon watching it. In the series, decent in the air, but well taken from the Athletic Club goalkeeper. Yeah, Simon. Very comfortable for him. Nice for the goalkeeper to get a good feel of the ball early on in the game. Come for a good cross, positive. John Hartson there on ITV giving the customary co-commentator's observation that it's good for a goalkeeper to get an early touch of the ball. Problem was, Dave, this was in the 15th minute of the game. That's too late. It does feel too late. Do we know how many touches he'd had before that? I can tell you that was his sixth touch of the ball mm. in the first... 14 and a bit minutes. Um, Three of those touches were goal kicks. One of them was a short pass from open play and the other one was a simple throw out of the ball to get Spain going on the attack. So, Charlie, the other side of the coin here, you could argue, is this was his first kind of real test Mm. of the game, but I still worry about the clock side of things. (laughs) That's meaningful. Touch. Surely his nerves would have been settled by the 15th minute, is what I'm saying. Yeah, 15 minutes, is that's a third of the half, isn't it? It's not the sort of 
It is. Obviously, it's different for goalkeepers, but if you were an outfielder, that would feel like an age before <laughs> before getting a touch, wouldn't Feel it? of the ball. A, ner- a, ner- a nerve settler after 15 minutes. It, it probably is It probably is a touch late, yeah, even, even as a keeper. But then again, Dave, Unai Simon does feel like a little bit like a... He looks a little bit like a get him under pressure, get that ball in the air and see how he deals with it kind of keeper. So It was a little bit. Mitigation. It, it, it was, he was backpedalling as well to get the ball. Like it wasn't, he didn't sort of confidently come out and jump into the ball. It was one that was a bit tricky. Yeah. Hmm. And he pulled it off well. So from that perspective, like it kind of, it does kind of make sense what Hartson is saying. But as you say, hmm. the clock element, yeah, not there. Didn't really stand Unai Simon in good stead for the rest of this game because Morocco, of course, Went on to beat Spain on penalties. A question from Rich Wynn, Charlie, says, Everyone described Ashraf Hakimi's penalty as a Penenka, but I don't think a Penenka can almost bounce before it hits the net or have such a low trajectory. Was his penalty a Penenka? And what is the definition of a Penenka? Seems a little bit too much of a mainstream debate for us to have, but what Mm. I would say here is that I I think it was a Penenka in spirit. The execution almost becomes secondary here. The intent is probably more important. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I did have the same thought when I watched it. Was it a pure Penenka? Because it is a bit unusual, the the trajectory of the the ball and the way it lands. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, because there's that debate, isn't there? That Zidane one, that Zidane one in the World Cup final of 2006, which is a Penenka, but is very high. It hits the bar and bounces down, which makes it look... Yeah, exactly, and and kind of the opposite of this one. But I think you're right. I think it is the it's 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 the uh, what you're trying to do, and he certainly yeah. did that. Yeah, Dave, we don't want to get too hung up on sort of uh, the way that the ball sort of gently goes down the back of the net or anything like that. It is it is essentially the still the same hoodwinking of a goalkeeper, mm-hmm. isn't it? Exactly. If you faint to hit the ball, but then pull out a a, a small chip at the last minute, hmm. as you say, it's Penenka in spirit. Yeah, because you're not going to be able to get it the exact same perfect trajectory every single time. Mm. But he tried. He went for a Penenka. Yeah, yeah. He didn't put it off in the same way that he'd like to. But it, yeah, it's it's still in there. I think it's one of those rare occasions where intent is more important than execution in terms of our definition for it. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. 
Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Great one from this from Robbie Michael. This is one of those situations where I ended up on the ITV on the ITVX platform for much longer than I wanted to, ran out of patience watching fucking adverts and gave up looking for the clip. But he says, not World Cup related, but on Coronation Street this week, Dave, Steve McDonald was insulted when Tim Metcalf described him as an armchair fan of Weatherfield County. I think this confirms, incredibly, Weatherfield is a top-end championship team at minimum if enough of their games are on TV for someone to be called an armchair fan. I mean, actually, I don't watch Coronation Street enough, Dave, to know whether they've actually sort of placed them in the football pyramid. But this is probably the biggest hint we, we would have ever had. Well, we had the last time we, we, we spoke about Weatherfield County was to do with Kevin... Webster was reacting to being shown the kit, the new kit, like oh, the third kit right. in yeah, the garage. Yeah. And that again, that sort of suggests that they're a big enough club to have a proper sort of social media presence and a kit launch. But yeah, this is further evidence that they are a decent outfit, I think. And even, like you say, a minimum championship, unless they're, unless they're getting into the weeds of the old I follow business. <laughs> <laughs> Muddies the waters of armchair fan, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. Oh, no, in a wider context then, Charlie, could you be an armchair fan of, say, a League Two club? Is, is that possible? Clearly, you know, literally that means TV. I do wonder if you're a club that level that does extend to just someone who goes to, you know, a decent number of games isn't, Obsessive necessarily. Uh, whether no, I, I don't think it is. That's casual. That's just a bit more of a casual supporter. Maybe. Armchair. Armchair suggests that you do quite vociferously support the team, but just from, from the comfort of your armchair, from the comfort of your armchair slash your own home. Like it's it's almost as never going to the games. Mm. Would this technicality allow you to be a League Two armchair fan, Dave? If you if you react to games sort of feverishly via Soccer Saturday, does that count? <laughs> <laughs> so they appear on the on, on, on the them. two instances that your team get mentioned on Soccer Saturday. If you go <laughs> mental enough about it, does that make you an armchair fan? I think that could do. Uh, it's, it, yeah, it's the same sort of it's the same sort of thing, isn't it? Yeah, we've ignored we've ignored local radio as well. I mean, that yeah. could be. That could be mm. it, does radio not make you an armchair fan? Is is that too cool? Too cerebral? Oh, but I think there's a, there's an element of there is still an element of um, dedication there. <laughs> You are taking the time to get to, you know, to actually listen on the, on the local well. radio. You can be out and about. Armchair fan suggests that you're lazy. Blinkered. Sitting watching your laptop, live text updates appearing and getting really annoyed. Or watching your team's Twitter account and getting yeah. really annoyed from your yeah. armchair. This is a very good point. Modern technology is widening the potential to be an armchair fan down the um, UK football pyramid. Uh, this is a but, PhD but, uh, thesis for somebody. It's almost similar to being like a backseat driver. If you're mm. an armchair fan, you are, you're someone who's you're sniping from the sidelines. You've yeah. got an opinion, but you but you don't go to the game, so you don't you're perceived not to be able to deserve that opinion. Shouldn't be a pejorative term anyway. I, I quite like the idea of being an armchair fan. There's nothing wrong with it. Not these days. It's fine. It's all part of the hierarchy, though, isn't it? It's like, you know, yeah. like how those who go home and away would look down on just the sort of Johnny Come Lately home season ticket people. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd love to be a hardy soul, Charlie. I'd love to be a hardy soul, but I haven't got it in me, um, just in any sense. I haven't got the stamina for a sort of nine-hour away trip day in bad jeans with a with a rolled-up program hanging out my pocket <laughs> with a kid in tow, worried about how much I've spent that day all in. 
It's not for me. This is about as far away from the, from um, that context as we could get. This is from Andre Robel, who reports from the world of esports. He says, last month in Copenhagen, there was a Counter-Strike Global Offensive tournament and they played a kind of exhibition match before the finals, the real event started. And as a surprise at the halftime, this happened. They need some help. They need somebody that can step up and turn the tide for Team Denmark. Anybody willing at this point in time. Oh, but what's that? On the stage, there is a sixth man. But it's not a man at all. It's an angel instead. They have the savior. It's Niklas Bender. Danish national team fame of Arsenal, a football legend here. And he is suiting up to save Team Denmark. What a fantastic time. I swear, uh, Dave, this is the same guy who was doing the countdown before that game the other day. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, he does have the same sort of intonation. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder. Um, surreal situation. Um, I guess Bentner's got a lot of time on his hands, Charlie. Yeah, and to be fair, the audience looks absolutely delighted. They're, they're thrilled that he's there, so he, good luck um, to him. He got into online gaming, Counter-Strike, Global Offensive in particular, during lockdown, apparently, Dave. And so he's, you know, he, he's big into it. He's still sort of beginner level, but um, that made him kind of a, a viable candidate as a star guest for this situation. He's very on-brand for Bentner, isn't it? I, think. I guess so. To be an operator in this world, I think it kind of it, it sort of it fits in with that sort of well, his sort of whole persona of kind of not not really being that bothered about football. Yeah, I suppose it lends itself to cult status. Mm, yeah, a bit yeah, more as well. Okay, elsewhere from the continent, Charlie Jarmo Villems writes and says, "I was listening to your recent podcast about nil all, and it got me thinking about whether it works in another language, which got me to the realization that in English we always say four nil." or 2-0, regardless if the home or away team wins the game. Whereas in Dutch and German, you always announce scores in the order of the home away teams. 0-4, if the away team has won. Strange that never happens in English. And it is a bit strange, mm. but then I sort of do see it every now and then. I see it in copy every now and then at The Athletic, and I sort of have to reverse it back. and say, well, no, you don't do that. That's weird. Yeah. Do it. It's true, that actually. You could be... In copy, it would be a more concise way of, you know, a 2-0 away win. You could just write... A nil two win. It would save you a word. It's just a convention that it's built up that it looked. But I agree because I when I when I see that, it's like oh, that looks horrific. But yeah, that's just sort of because that's what we're used to. Could you imagine, Dave, sort of Sunday afternoon getting into the pub? Someone asked you how Ribblesdale Rovers got on. You said oh, nil three. <laughs> could you do it? No, it's not a massive departure. I think I feel like you could style it out. Nil yeah. three. No one would pick you up on it. Not outside of these walls. Ah, nil. Nah, nil three today. <laughs> but. Uh, You'd have to have yeah. a nil involved. If it was like, you wouldn't say 2-4, would you? Yeah, two, yeah exactly. Oh, That'd God. be weirder. Yeah, yeah um, that's awful. Another 1-3 today. Just another example of how inflexible we are in this country mm. when it comes to the language of football. Next up, Nifty Palms asks Charlie, what constitutes a conveyor belt of talent? One talent at regular intervals, like in the generation game, <laughs> not multiple at once. I don't think a golden generation can come off the conveyor belt of talent if they all break through at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> This is a very yeah, fair point. That's a good Stacking point. all your stuff up on the Tesco <laughs> conveyor that, belt, all up and vertically, and then it all coming at once. No, that's more like talent factory, which is which is closely linked to this. Yeah, I think conveyor belt. Often you're talking about the same position as well. Like they've just got you know they've got a conveyor yeah. belt of, of great strikers at that's this club, um, yeah. and and that's just, you know sort of one after the other, year on year. Like I remember Atletico Madrid seemed to have this conveyor belt of really good strikers for a time. 
Um, not that they necessarily produce, but they just seem to find them and replace one with another. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. If you're not you producing have... them, then it's not your conveyor belt, is it? Well, you're still buying stuff. I mean, it's yeah, different. It's yeah. different. It is different. It's you're different. importing. <laughs> yeah. Rather than, okay, rather than production. What's yeah. the... Um, yeah, you, sometimes you do hear as well, you hear like the Academy production line is a mm-hmm. sort of twist on the theme. But in terms of like golden generation can't all come from a conveyor belt of talent, I'm, I'm not sure about that. I think I think they could. They don't have to well, be the same age, do they, for a start? No, there's a, there's a, yeah, there's a range, but they could all have come through the same factory. I'm going to put another spanner in the works here, Dave, because a golden generation is an international thing. It's a national team thing, like England's yeah. golden generation of the mid-2000s yeah. or whatever. Belgium. But you don't have conveyor belts at international level. Conveyor belts are for clubs, though, right? Yeah, the clubs Even are the Spain producers. don't have a conveyor belt. Exactly. Clubs produce the talents. They, make, they, they are making the goods at, La, at the La Masia factory. Yeah, and Spain just reap the rewards. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but yeah, great question from Nifty Palms, <laughs> particularly like the generation game analogy. There, perhaps an easier question for you now, Charlie. Mister SK Primary says, "How many goals can a player bag? Singular? Is there an upper limit? Or what instinctively mm. is your answer here?" Well, I I, I remember off in Sunday League, like, "Oh, did you bag? Really? Which which would well, mean more singular? More just did did you score? Just a dangling verb? Did, did you, you bag? bag? Yeah, yeah, oh, did God. you bag?" Yeah, wow. he bagged. Yeah, bagged. Uh, I mean, bagged a brace is kind of the one. Yeah, that is. I think beyond that, I mean, you wouldn't you say you could bagged bag that trick. You think you would? I think you, you could probably bag four goals. Actually, going to read you a message that I sent to one of my WhatsApp groups whilst watching Portugal the other night. This is lovely stuff. Drop Ronaldo, win 6-1 with his replacement bagging a hat trick. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. Now you've read it out in the wild. I think it's absolutely fine. I think bagging, there probably isn't really an upper limit. I mean, you probably wouldn't say bagged seven because it doesn't really do justice to the achievement. Uh, but if you did it in a you know shitty Sunday league game where you'd won 13 nil, you probably could say bagged seven. So you have to maybe think about it as a so proportion of the total amount and the context of the game. But let's go back down to the lower end of the spectrum, Dave. Can you bag one? You can bag one. Bagged a goal. He bagged a goal. That's all right, isn't it? Bagged a goal. I think it's, it's, it doesn't sound quite as nice. It's probably not used as much in copy. I don't know why, but it just... But I, I think it stems from bagging... I know he's referenced bagging a brace. That's just kind of a nice sort of bit of alliteration. Yeah. And it all goes from there. Caveat, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Mm. But it's sort of... It has, it has taken on a bit more of a life of its own. As Charlie said, it can be used in different ways as well now. But I think... I think I I think bagging one is the probably the worst of all of them, really. Yeah, fair enough. I am right. still slightly concerned about um, Charlie's post-Sunday League conversations about did you bag? Well, I mean, where do you stop? Uh, Charlie, did you plunder? Did you plunder? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I've actually just I've discovered some more stuff because I've just searched bagged in my WhatsApp history. <laughs> right. Uh, someone bagged a couple of assists. Ooh. They've claimed. Can They're bag baggable now. Are they baggable ba- now? Maybe they are. Maybe. They're a thing. But you rarely hit- the league teams count them now, don't they? So Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. But yeah, and then who, who bagged? Uh, there are quite who a few bagged? who bagged. Oh, I don't like it. I don't like it. Maybe I'm too much of a purist at this level, but no, don't like bagged. This is from listener Mikhail, who unearthed some vintage Peter Drury here. This is, uh, this is the man himself reporting on the FA Cup in 1998 on BBC Radio 5 Live. Liverpool won't be winning the FA Cup in 1998. They were beaten 3-1 at Anfield by Coventry, Peter Drury. Well, how thirstily we sip from the cup of chaos here. Of random gales, chattering teeth, clattering tackles, 
All of it flavoured by the indescribably rich essence of the day, the white-knuckled knowledge that winner took all. The absence of genuine minnows notwithstanding, this was archetypal. Liverpool live and luxuriant going forward, but fraught and frequently caught at the back, jittery James jangling the nerves of those in front of him. Huckabee's hair-raising pace terrified them. Dublin's doughty demeanour never let them rest, even after Jamie Redknapp's free kick gave them an early lead. Thereafter, bade on by a vast following, Coventry pressed on to surely their greatest cup victory since 1987 and all that. Hey. Huckabee threw through <laughs> to equalise right on half-time, and rebounds from his shots allowed Dublin and Telford to win it, and suddenly a horizontal houchin killed Klein with the cup, Sillett bouncing up and down, became meaningful memories again. Arsenal have got to go to Vale Park now. Ron Jones. My alliteratometer has absolutely exploded there. This wow. is This is, this is sort of grassroots dreary child this is great isn't it this is amazing yeah it's also interesting because his voice is a bit is a little bit different it's a bit it's a more bit, bbc isn't it yeah exactly it just sounds that little bit more da, 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 da. and that may that may be partly the time period as well it's like yeah. early keys they were all talking like that yeah. all a bit posh back in the day yeah it's really it's really funny but yeah i mean you can see the the Drury DNA, yeah. writ large. Exactly, it's all there. It's all there. He's really going for it, and it's like it's kind of like I suppose like a band or something who's just full of talent, but bursting at the seams, and they're just chucking it all out there. And then like three mm. or four albums later, they just kind of settle into the rhythm a bit more. They know what they know when not to go to the well <laughs> too often. It's just I just got alliteration after alliteration. And uh, Dave, I hope you picked up on the uh, Coventry City's 1987 and all that. That's just very solid and all that, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly, and that is why it was sent to us. So it was sent as in, in response to that section of the podcast earlier this week. And there's been there were a lot of responses to that, M- and many of them centered around the was it like a play or a book called Ten Sixty Six and all that. Yeah, history like, books. Yeah, yeah. Cited as the sort of common, the first sort of example of it all. But that makes sense, doesn't it? But yeah, that was a great example. Really good. Excellent. Love that. Yeah. Do you know what, Charlie? Um, throughout the World Cup so far, we've um, we've stopped short of picking on our. US cousins for their coverage of the tournament but um, I couldn't resist this time this is from listener Vadim Furmanov who is watching the Fox broadcast of Croatia versus Japan in the US and he says the commentator said his number is up in reference to a Japanese player getting ready to come on to the pitch during extra time oh <laughs> I don't like that at all no no because there's, there's an extra connotation to your numbers up it's like it has deeper meaning that it's essentially like your time is up yeah 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 like, yeah, yeah. That's it, that's it, that's it for you, and you're coming off. Not you're coming on. Because there's an element of doubt, because it's the board going up and you turn around and you think, whose number's going to pop up? My number's popped up, I'm off. Whereas if you're waiting to, of course your number's going to come you up. You already know. You're, you're there, mm. yeah. <laughs> that's right, they didn't think about this, have they? It's um, very disappointing. And indeed, elsewhere on Fox, this was Portugal versus Switzerland, uh, this observation from Oli Mintz Lowe, and this touches on something we were talking about recently as well. Four of the six goals Portugal have scored. Outswinger from here. Pepe! 2-0! The old man gets his goal! <laughs> Charlie, how do you feel about the his goal usage here? Because it's almost sound, it almost sounds quite patronised. Like, the old man, go on, get your yeah. goal. Yeah, I, was, I got a couple of DMs about this after our gets his goal discussion. Yeah, 
It's like it's his testimonial. The, the old man gets his goal <laughs> yes. in, in his in his farewell valedictory performance. Yeah, that is not the kind of gets his goal that we were talking about. Yeah, it doesn't meet our threshold, does it, Dave? No, no, I don't think it does. Uh, it, it could have. It, it, it was a six-one, obviously, in the end. But that was the second goal. If he'd scored the sixth, you could have had. It, it could have been a slight variation on the getting in on the act situation. Mm, yeah, but, um, yeah. He no. needs to have been knocking at the door, didn't he? Really? Even or or if it was like a. I mean, it it was like a record-breaking performance in some sense wasn't it I think it was the oldest outfielder in a knockout Champions League game or something a knockout World Cup game but even right. so I don't think that's enough to make it a no no it's not goal. it's not a what an evening yeah it's all about him his, his occasion tonight um the no. same commentator apparently then later after Switzerland scored to make it 4-1 said game on oh that's not game on well I mean there was there was some there was some UK based disagreements about that Jonathan Pierce on the BBC highlights said game on when Switzerland scored to make it 4-1 right. This is a 60-something minute. Too far. That's barely a murmuring, that. Yeah. Yeah. You well, take it down to two goals. on ITV said it was a said immediately said it was a consolation. Yeah, it's somewhere in between for me. I mean, it's I not game on, obviously, but it's not really a consolation either, is it? At no, that time, you, you've got to get it down to two minimum to be okay. game on. Okay, I think. But was it a consolation? For what? What was the minute? Sixty minutes. Sixty odd. Fifty-eight. Four yeah. one. Oh, fifty-eight. Okay. I think it's just it's in come the hour. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always happens, doesn't it? It's a shame. It's a shame. Anyway, listener Harvey Orzorst writes in. I said he was watching Manchester United's friendly versus Cadiz on Wednesday night. And on the half hour, Alvaro Negredo skewed a clearance out for a corner. A co-commentator accused him of making an attacker's clearance. Are we having that? <laughs> a forwards tackle? Fair enough. And a defender might end up seeing their name in light when ballsing up a finish. But an attacker's clearance, says Harvey Orzost, is plain wrong, as if the finesse of a clean contact is above their pay grade. What says the panel? Dave, how do you feel about attacker's clearance? I don't like it as a variation on the theme. Doesn't really tell me much. No, because every a clearance is one of the most basic things you can do. You're just kicking yeah. the ball yeah. in whatever direction you're facing. Anyone can do it. There's no art I, to it. Yeah, I don't know if it's an attacker's thing necessarily, but there are some players you do who get a bit twitchy and do what Negredo has done there. But I don't know if that's specific to position. I think it's more a kind of temperamental thing. I think the only close relative this I would allow, and bearing in mind this was a half an hour into this game, this wouldn't even qualify anyway, as if, as if Negredo had been doing that all game. And then then eventually he says, and who's back there again? Alvaro (laughs) Negredo. And that's the only only related device I think you could employ at that stage. So, yeah, not happy with that either. All sorts of things going on this week that we're not happy with. But let's let's have a little bit of Keys and Grey Corner. Sunday. Right, thanks to listener Fraser, Charlie. Would you like to hear Richard Keyes talking about arse cheeks? I think I already have, but I would love to hear it again. No one drunk lying all over the streets, spewing up here, abusing people there. Letting a firework off between uh, the cheeks of his arse. Yeah, else. that kind of thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> Cheeks of his arse. So good. Sounded like they'd had a bit of a heavy night, ironically, <laughs> given, given the subject matter there. Yeah. Absolutely. Elsewhere, uh, I stumbled across the first ever Monday Night Football on Sky Sports on YouTube. 
uh, just the pre-match. That algorithm knows you well. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) Um, So much to enjoy in there. I mean, you could really sort of almost taste the earnestness of Sky to try and show off their new shiny product and the kind of bemused nature of all the players and managers involved saying, what the hell is this? What are we involved in? This is mad. Uh, It's Manchester City versus Queen's Park Rangers, August 1992. And uh, of all the weird things that were involved in the first sort of 40 minutes of the broadcast. The um, slightly dodgy remarks about the cheerleaders in the centre mm. circle with Chris Waddle and Andy Gray in the studio, but also an interview with the referee before the game, which, wow. you know, if you think about it, it's something we're calling for these mm. days. Some, some people from certain quarters, Charlie, are calling for it. Yeah. You've got to get the referees out and, and get in front of the camera and explain their decisions, right? Massively. This, yeah. this is, this is revolution, genuinely revolutionary stuff. Was this was pre-match, though? Exactly. Yeah. So... Can you explain how you're going to referee? Yeah, be careful what you wish for, people who want referees to be hauled in front of the cameras, because they're going to be asked questions like this. This is the lowest key interview I've ever heard. (laughs) Let's go and meet our match official tonight, Martin Bodnam, who's um, with David Livingston. Yes, we're in the inner sanctum here, the referee's room, with the match official for tonight, Martin Bodnam. Martin, uh, we're always trying to get uh, behind the man in black or the man in the many colours now. Tell us a bit about yourself. It lists you in the programme as a guest house proprietor. Yes, I'm 42 years of age um, and I've lived in Cornwall for five years. Uh, I've been refereeing on the league for some, somewhere in the region of about 12 years and uh, spent most of it refereeing in, uh, in the Brighton area of Sussex and uh, moved to Cornwall five years ago. Cornwall, so how does that fit in with the many locations in the league? Well, it's certainly different regarding travelling. Uh, one has to uh, work out uh, you know, what the uh, oh, movements are on the road, of course, with holiday traffic. August and September is a bit hairy, but um, from then onwards, not too bad at all. But it's a question of careful planning. A good one. Come on. Just a few minutes ago, we saw that you had a, a bit of confusion with the, the socks for the evening. Is this all part of the fancy new outfits the referees are wearing? What about? Uh, well, not, re- not regard to that one, no. It was more the clash of sock colours for the two teams. So we just had to make sure that uh, there wasn't going to be a problem during the game. Well, we've seen some natty outfits so far from the referees. What, uh, what colour tonight? Being green tonight. Martin Bodnam, our match official on our first Monday night football evening. It's Manchester City and Queen's Park Rangers tonight. Coming next, live from Main Road, all the team news. Don't go away. And that's why, Charlie, we don't have referees being interviewed on live football broadcasts anymore. <laughs> Martin Bodnam, a pre... What was, the, what was the low light of that interview? Was it just talking about the um, the sort of travel infrastructure of South West England? Yeah, I think so. And I think that was particularly bleak because that was where my mind went when he said he was from Cornwall. I did think, oh, that must be uh, some, some big distances to travel. Uh, and then he was asked it. Oh, God. God, I'm boring. The opening question where he said, oh, you're a guest house proprietor aren't you and he sort of said yeah yeah and gave gave a little bit of a bio about himself it, it sounded like um sort of yeah you like sort of mini introduction that, that they were used to give on like blind date yeah sort of trying to sum himself up in 30 seconds bit about really a bit awesome. about himself oh god and you're right it probably is that's probably is it that, that, from that moment forward we never i don't i don't want another referee on my tv station ever again yeah that's it. That's what they would have said. Um, everyone just blinded by the uh, lights on Sky Sports back then, it seems. Um, uh, if anyone's still listening, thank God. Uh, Dave, thanks for joining the education panel today. Thank you. Thanks to you, Charlie. Thank you. Thanks to everyone for listening, and uh, we'll be back on Tuesday. Cheerio. The Athletic. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.